The Detroit Pistons sit at the top of the NBA draft lottery. Coming in at number two is the Houston Rockets. Before the season, we talked about these two teams, compared them to each other, and looked to their future. With just around 10 games left in their seasons, we're going to revisit that and see where each team stands as of right now, moving into the future, and also what happened this past season with them in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons. Your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. We're under 200 subscribers away from 5,000 subscribers. So let's try to get there before the end of the season. I really would appreciate that. Also, leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your own basketball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On all caps in the game. Um, so I'm recording this right after the Pistons' loss to um, the Atlanta Hawks. We will not be talking about that game, really. We won't be reviewing I had this scheduled before. I, I, that game doesn't really matter as much. Uh, so we won't be talking about that. But we're bringing back on a friend of the podcast, Roosh Williams. Before the season, you guys probably remember that – we had Roosh on the podcast, and we talked about the the Rockets' future, their team, where they're going into this season. And then we talked about the Pistons, obviously, their season, or their upcoming season, their future, their core. We kind of compared them to each other. We thought about who had the better core moving forward, and we gave some predictions on how this season would go. Um, obviously, real quick, you can find Roosh over on Twitter, at Roosh Williams. He's the host of Stay of the Rockets and Rockets Watch over at Playback.tv, uh, so definitely go check that out. Um, follow him on Twitter. Um, Roosh, so like I said before the podcast, man, we're not going to, this isn't going to be too much structure. It's just going to be us free flowing, talking about our teams. Um, we obviously have talked about the Pistons almost every day on the podcast. Actually, we obviously, it's a Pistons podcast. But on the last podcast, I actually talked about the Rockets a little bit because JJ Reddick, I'm sure you saw the quote that he, he came out with. JJ Reddick came out and had some things to say about the Houston Rockets. I'll let you dive into it real soon. But Part of my takeaway from there was, you know, the Pistons have had a rough season. They've lost a lot. They've lost Cade for the season. It's been rough. But at the at, it could be worse. And then I pointed to that quote. So now, listen, I, I don't mean to – I'm not trying to rack on the Rockets. But, it's all good. It's all good. But the, I want to go to you and ask you, do you agree with what J.J. Redick said about the Rockets? And is it really it, – it, people make it seem like that the culture in Houston – and what's going on in Houston is a pretty big problem, at least from an outside perspective. Is that a, a good perspective or a correct perspective to have, or are people off base a little bit? Well, first of all, thank you for having me back, man. Uh, always a pleasure to kick it with you and to talk hoops. Koo and Rue, we're in this thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, um, you know, it's, it's crazy because there is a lot of truth to what they say, and I'll get into that. But to start off, what is difficult for me is it's hard for me to compare how they talk about the Rockets to why they don't have that same attitude towards teams like the Pistons 
or the Spurs. I, I guess the Spurs have earned, you know, their their due because they had their dynasty. So I guess they get a little pass for that. And Popovich is still there, all that. Um, the Magic are having an improved season. So same thing there. But with the Rockets and the Pistons, all due respect, the Pistons have been in the tank for, I mean, a decade and a half now, right? It's like y'all have been trying to climb. You've had, what, one season above 500 in the last, I think, 14 years maybe? And I believe so, they had two, but point remains. It, it's 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 a fair point, <laughs> right? So so it's it's a little. A lot of Rockets fans are very touchy because they're like, "Hey, okay, yeah, we're in the tank, but like we just got here. What about these other guys, right?" So I get that. On the other hand, um, there are some real reasons, right? Like the the Rockets, and I don't watch the Pistons enough to know, so I'll I'll defer to you on that. But the way the Rockets play is very, it's like pickup basketball. You know what I mean? Like we just kind of roll the rock out there and they hoop. Some nights it, it's cool, it works. Most nights it doesn't, and it looks ugly. Um, they don't have structure on the court, right? And so, like, I'm, a, I'm assuming a guy like J.J. Redick watches that, and he knows, like, hey, there's, like, it's like one read basketball, right? It's like it's like in football if you just drop back and just, like, dump it off to your halfback every time. Like, you dump it off to your running back every time. Like, there's just – it's just first read, check down. There, there's nothing – complex there's nothing sophisticated about it we don't run pin downs for jabari we got the number three pick in the draft spotting up in the corner you know i me personally a lot of rockets fans we blame the coach which i'm sure a lot of fan bases do um but the offense steven silas runs seems very like he, he was in charge of one offense right and it was in dallas with luka Doncic. so it's like how hard was it to run that offense right you hand luka the rock and you let him go um, if you look at that offense, he had, and some of my comparisons might be a little, little bit off, but at a base level, <clears throat> at a base level, it kind of matches up. Luca handling the rock, that's KPJ. Uh, for most of Jalen's career, he, or for the first, most of his rookie season, Jalen was parked in the corner, kind of like a Tim Hardaway Jr. This season, they've unleashed him more, kind of like maybe like a, I don't think Jalen Brunson was there, I can't remember, but like a sidekick to Kevin Porter, to Luca, right? Him and, him and Kevin Porter, it's like our backcourt. Jabari is like Maxi Kleber, just spotted up, catching and shooting. They, they haven't known what to do with Shingun, <clears throat> excuse me, um, because Silas's offenses in Dallas were, he had rim-running rim centers, you know, Dwight Powell, um, guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, who's an undersized center. But So you, you kind of start seeing, like, how this stuff matches up. <clears throat> Damn, excuse me. And, uh, and, and, and that's, it, it's just looked unstructured, right? And then you look at, some of the things that happen, right? Like, the, did you see the, the clip that went viral of Kevin Porter with like his hands like on his hip, right? Yeah. Stuff like that happens. Um, there's been a, a lot of complaints from Rockets fans about no accountability from the coach, which is, I think, is accurate, right? He, he like, once we went on a losing streak, his seat got very hot, if it's not still already hot. And then he started like, you know, in post-game interviews, like faking some anger. And like, he pulled Alperin Shingun to the side in the middle of a game and like, coached him up one time and then put him back in the game. Like just no accountability for, for kids that need it. Right. And then, and then you got Kevin Porter jr. Who's like the leader of the team for better or worse. Right. And for me, I'm, I'm, you know, Kevin Porter is like 22, 23. I'm an older guy. So like when I see some of the stuff he does, it reminds me of me when I was young and it's like, that's not, <laughs> if you're leading an NBA team with that type of like approach and attitude, it's kind of problematic. And I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm sure Guys like JJ Redick, uh, all the all the media guys and all that, they they know what goes on behind the scenes, right? And like they've probably heard the stories about Kevin Porter and some of the stuff he's done. Um, whether he's improved his behavior and all that, like, of course, fair conversations to have. 
but the fact remains like it's it's you know would you want kevin porter leading the pistons as like their their leader probably not right so so all of those things have kind of combined and then obviously the rockets haven't really seen much improvement yet eric gordon if you i don't know if you saw that clip from a couple months ago post game one of the rockets press uh beat, beat writers asked like hey have you seen any improvement in your time here and he was just flat out he was like no i haven't so um talking about the recent rebuild obviously not his time when james harden was here so all those things combined and, it, and there's a lot of truth to it um offense hasn't gotten better defense hasn't gotten better compared to where they are in the league right we're still bottom two or bottom three in both categories um we can't shoot we don't it's just kind of a mess when you watch the team most nights. So there's a lot of truth to it, but maybe I'm wondering from you, why do people not like, is that not how the Pistons are? Are y'all just classic bad in like a classy way or like, how does it go? Well, see, so this is, I'm glad you asked that. Cause that's why I was going to head with this. So my take from the last podcast, I believe it was the third segment of the last podcast that we talked about this and compared it with the Pistons is that, you're right. The Pistons are worse, like record-wise, than the Houston Rockets. That that the Pistons have 16 wins. The Houston Rockets have 18 wins. It looks like the Pistons might end up with the top odds because they've lost a lot more games lately. And you guys actually have, I believe, you guys won two games uh, recently, um, so three games recently. So you guys kind of separated yourselves a little bit. Um, but I would say the difference is is that we haven't. The Pistons haven't really had, I would say, dysfunction happening at any point. I feel like. Dwayne Casey, a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of his, but at the very least, the thing he does for sure, and it's something that he's gotten a lot of credit for since being a part of this rebuild, which I, he deserves, is everyone buys into what he's doing. They respect him. They play hard for him. And I, I can't say on too many nights the Pistons are losing because they're not playing hard or they're not playing for each other, that they're, you know, they're they're out there playing for themselves. Like, I don't think that's happened too many times this season. I think they just lose because they're not that good. And I think they have very glaring weaknesses on certain parts of the roster that just weigh them down and stop them from winning games. So I think that's the big difference that at least from the, like I said, from the outside perspective, based on what we see people say about the Rockets and what, you know, what we read about the Rockets is that that's the core difference that I've, I've seen is that the Pistons don't have, they're bad. Like, and there's no, like they're the worst in the league but it's not dysfunctional type of bad. And we don't have players kind of physically showing their displeasure on the court or anything like they, we don't, that's not happening in Detroit. So I think that speaks to a good culture trying to be made, or, or at least a culture trying to be made by Dwayne Casey, that at least he has these guys playing hard for him and they believe in what he's trying to do and they respect him immensely. And that that's led to them at least trying hard on the court and if they lose, they just lose, and that's it's because they're not as good enough. It's, that's just is what it is. So I, I will say, I think a couple. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> the guys do. I mean, they like Stephen Silas. They play hard for Stephen Silas. I, I don't know how much that matters. Uh, when I say they play hard, I don't know if they play hard. Sometimes they play hard. Sometimes they don't. But they like him. They like each other. The chemistry among the players themselves and within the team and with within you know Coach Silas, it seems to be good. It just doesn't translate at all to like how they actually play basketball. Another difference is you guys have Bogdanovich, um, and then you guys also have Corey Joseph, both you know pretty decent vets, right? We had Eric Gordon, and it was kind of Eric Gordon and like Boban, but Boban doesn't really play, so he can't lead by example. Um, and and I think that's also another difference to how it translates. And um, my last point, oh, Cade, Cade's out, right? So it's like you you guys kind of have that pass as well. It's like no matter how bad you are, 
I mean, your number one pick that every that all of this was supposed to revolve around hasn't been playing. So it's like, I mean, in, in some ways, y'all were better than y'all had a better record than us for most of the season, even without Kate, which was kind of embarrassing. So those are some differences too. All right. So in the following segment coming up, I, I want to talk about Jalen Green, not really versus Cade, but just Jalen Green and Cade. Um, Cade's season ended abruptly very early into the season. Um, Jalen Green has been able to play for the majority of this season. I think he, I remember him having some little ticky tack injuries, nothing too serious. Um, but he's played for the majority of the season for the Rockets. I want to talk about just what do you feel about the Rockets and how I feel about the Pistons compared to where we were at before the season with those two guys spearheading it into their third season now. Um, the second season, I don't, it didn't go well for Cade. Obviously, he wasn't able to play at all. I, I'm interested to see how you feel versus what happened with Cade, how it went for Jalen Green in his, se- in his second season. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Um, but first, I want to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Ultimate Basketball GM. I'm really geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Well, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for everything a, a real-life GM coach or GM does. You got to hire the right coaches and assistants. You have to trade and training players. You got to make draft picks, navigate your franchise through free agency, the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline, play on the go as you want and whenever you want to. So I haven't had the greatest success in the game. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's been tough. It's it's I haven't won many games. Somehow locked on Bulls over there. They've won two championships. I feel like they're cheating. Go ahead and go let them know. I don't know what they're doing. You got to help out locked on Pistons because I've been through three seasons. I've done nothing but lose. So I don't know what to do. I look like the Pistons in real life, but we're trying our best out here. It's a real fun game, though. I definitely suggest you guys check it out. Uh, and Locked On Pistons listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check that out. To, not, to download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. Just under 200 subscribers away from 5K. Go over there and help us get there before the end of the season or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so, Roosh, we're going to do this real quick. Before we talk about Jalen Green and Cade um, and how their seasons went and how we should look at them moving forward, how we feel about them, um, I want to do this real quick. I'm going to click Sim Lottery at Tankathon real quick, and then we're going to save okay. that. We're, okay. we're going to save that for the third segment, but I just want to give you an idea of what this is going to end up being. So we'll click okay. Sim Lottery. This is like the worst. Okay, we're not going to do this one because this is literally the worst case scenario for both of our teams. Pistons <laughs> fell to five and Houston fell to six. Good so Lord. Let's, let's, let's do it again. They did it again. Okay, that's not oh, good. Oh, God. Okay, I'm let's good. do this one. This this one's fine. Pistons at three, Houston at four. Is that is that cool? That works for me. Okay, so we'll save that for later on in the podcast. All Man, right. two back to back five and six. I hope that's not how it that's, goes. That scares the shit out of me. I'm so mad yeah. that the Rockets have like we won three games in a row. Man, we won one game against the Lakers, resting AD and LeBron, and then yep. we beat the Pelicans. It's just like, God damn it, man, come on. <laughs> you know, like we come, we come this far. Let's just finish the job, and then, right. you know. But so let's talk about Jalen Green, your guys' franchise player, and. 
Kay Cunningham, the Detroit Pistons franchise player. Now, before the season when we when we recorded that episode, um, we both were very, very high on our our individual franchise players. Uh, I thought that Cade was going to come out and have a fantastic season. I thought he was going to build upon how he finished the year last year in the second half of the season once they got him a lob threat. Um, I, I was really excited to see him with Jalen Duran, uh, the lob that the Pistons got for him in the first round. But sadly, uh, I don't think he even played more than real. I, I think he played less than 20 minutes with Duran on the court. And then sadly, he had his season ended by shin surgery. He's been dealing with that injury apparently since high school on and off. Um, and the Pistons finally have decided, you know, it, it was bothering them a lot this season. I, I'm not going to say it was because they're tanking, but I definitely think them tanking had them feeling a little bit more okay and kind of pushing them into that decision um, because the season didn't matter as much. Um, just real quickly how we feel about Cade over here. Still very, very high on Cade. I, we, you saw some improvements from him at while he was playing. Just the three-point shot still was lacking. His shot looked real flat, and he wasn't getting as high off the ground as he usually did. Um, and a lot of people are saying maybe that was due to the shin. Now, I'm sure that could be looked as an excuse making. It very well could be. We'll see how it is next season. Um, but a lot of people seem to think that maybe once he gets back full strength from that shin injury, maybe he has more lift on his shot. It's not as flat as it was at the beginning of this season. Um, and he can come back and, and really showcase how great he can be. Um, but Pistons fans and everyone is still extremely high on Kay Cunningham. And I really think that that dude can can be a future MVP type of player. I, I'm really high on Cade, and there's been stuff that's happened this season to some of the surrounding cast that makes me feel even higher on the Pistons uh, moving forward, which we'll talk about in the third segment with both our teams. Um, but from an outsider's point of view, um, I don't know if you're going to have much to say about Cade because, like I said, he he only played 12 games. Not, I don't know if anyone outside of Detroit has much to say about him. So if you'd like to say something about him, you can at the beginning of your response. Um, but Jalen Green... He's played the majority of this season. And so before I, I let you answer, I just want to say this. Obviously, there's been a little bit of like a rivalry between like Jalen Green and the Pistons and Pistons fan base, I mean. And I, I've kind of like pushed back against it a little bit this year because I feel like it's getting a little too out of pocket with the hating on Jalen Green. I think he's pretty damn good. Um, I think I, like me personally, I still would have Cade. And I think Evan Mobley probably has an argument over both Cade and Jalen Green to this point. I like, I think that's probably fair. So, but I, I think the trolling of Jalen Green goes a little bit too far. I think he has an insane ceiling as a scorer. And I think the Duke is, it can be a pure bucket. And I also feel bad for him because I feel like that he's been in a, in a very, very tough situation with, again, from an outsider point of view, a very unstable rebuild going on this year, a very unstable situation with, with again, from an outside point of view, seems like a lot of toxic, toxicity going on behind the scenes. And he's kind of, I, I like what J.J. Reddick said. It seems like he's out there kind of just on a life raft and he's just like floating by himself trying to figure out how to get out. So I, I want to ask you, do you agree with what J.J. Reddick again said about Jalen Green kind of being out on a, on a, you know, by himself in the middle of the ocean trying to find his way back to shore? And how do you feel about his season overall as a second year player? I think I mean, he's not as efficient this year, but I think he's. I think it's clear to see that he's going to be someone that could probably score 24 points a game in his sleep when in his prime. So where are you guys at right now with Jalen Green? Yeah, so look, first of all, I'll say on Cade, I'm still really high on Cade. Um, it looks, I think one of his weaknesses, when you're going to be the Helio, not, not that he's heliocentric, but if you're going to be the comps for him, where like, you know, Luca or like the, not, not like James Harden, but that type where he's got the rock and everything revolves around him and, and all that. 
he doesn't have what he lacks compared to those types of players like Harden, Luca, obviously like LeBron, these types of guys. He doesn't have that like he's not a tank, right? Physically, Harden is a tank. Luca's a big boy. LeBron obviously is a tank. So like what when you when you play like that, you got to be able to take a beating and you got to be able to put a beating on other dudes when you're driving down the middle and all that, go to the line, everything. I thought Cade lacked that because he doesn't have elite athleticism, but he looks a lot like the offseason, the pictures I see of him lately look like he's really putting that weight on, that muscle on. So if that translates, I, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think he's still going to be a phenomenal player. A lot of stuff about Evan Mobley, too. <clears throat> I really don't think you could go wrong between K. Jalen and Evan Mobley. It just depends on who else you're putting around those guys to build around them and if you can complement them with what you're lacking otherwise. So on Jalen, man, um, look, I'll, I'll preface everything I say by saying that he is everything he's done this season. He's had to do it on his own. The system doesn't do anything for him, literally nothing. Every every look he gets is a catch behind the three-point line. And then he goes and he's got an ISO. He's getting all his buckets in ISO. We do nothing. And this is a big, big criticism I have of Steven Silas. He does nothing to get an easy bucket for Jalen. This dude is quick, fast, athletic. You do a pin down, you do a couple screens off the baseline, you could spring him over for easy buckets, catch, finish, catch. You, you could do a pin down, get him up at the elbow, triple threat, go to work, whatever. We do none of that. Um, and he's dropping 22 a game. The efficiency is down. So that's the concern. However, I'll say this. Um, the first 32 games of the season, he shot 30.1% from three on seven, seven attempts per game. Since December 26th, 34 games since then. So that's he's played, I think, 66 games this season. We're recording this on, what, Tuesday, March 21st. So <clears throat> I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow on Wednesday against the Grizzlies. But up until this point, the last 34 games, he shot 36.1% from three on 7.9 attempts per game, um, which is roughly like around 268 to 270 shots, three-point shots in a row. Um, so I think that's important to note, right? And again, all these are tough. Like we're, we're talking contested, sidestep, step back, ISO, late shot clock heaves, all of that, right? Nothing he gets is easy. 22 a game. His playmaking has gotten a little bit better, uh, three and a half dimes a game. And again, he's, he's on a team that like they're not running action for him to – He's basically maybe running a pick and roll, and he might have Shingun in the roll, and that's it. So it's it's hard to come by those dimes. One thing about him is he's he's got to uh, get better at off-ball defense. He gets lost off the ball sometimes. But on the ball, he's actually pretty damn good. He, he can guard man-on-man. He's, he's pretty damn good on guards too. Um, and that's been a nice little surprise. And then I think the, the most exciting thing, I mean, obviously he's got like four, I think four 40-point games under his belt this season. Um, I'm pretty sure he has more 30-point games. 30 plus point games than the rest of his draft class combined, I think, up until this point. So he's kind of met the hype, right? He was supposed to be like a super scorer and he's kind of met that hype. He still, he just turned 21 literally a month ago. But my favorite thing is in the clutch, he's legit. He comes alive in the clutch. Um, I saw a stat, I can't remember it exactly, but I think in the clutch, his TS percentage among guys that take like a certain amount of attempts or whatever, he's like top 10 in the league. Um, So he's got that like clutch gene. He comes alive when it matters most. Um, so, and, and most importantly, we don't have a point guard. I mean, we legitimately do not have a point guard. So when you put, when you put all that in context and you look at the fact that there's no point guard getting him easy looks, everything he gets is ISO by himself. And the offense doesn't do any, the offense is a read and react offense. It's basically survey the floor, drive and try to kick, try to get a three. And like, that's all we do. Most of the time, it just turns into an ISO from one of our guys, um, so when you factor all of that in and the fact that he's dropping 22 basically in his sleep with the three-point shooting looking much better for the latter half of the season, 
I'm still super high on Jalen. If, if we get a point guard that can actually set things up, I think he could be a really, really nice, like, you know, pretty much exactly what he's supposed to be a shooting guard. I don't think he's going to be, you know, like Kay could maybe be an offense by himself. That's the hope I'm assuming. Right. And that's kind of how he profiles as a player. I don't think Jalen's going to be that kind of guy. I think Jalen's going to be a badass scoring two. And if you surround him with the right guys, he could be, you know, like a number two on a really good team is what I think. And I don't think that's, I, I think that's really, a really damn good player. That's not, I, I know some people like, especially I'm sure some Pistons fans are going to start trolling about that, but I think that's still a, a pretty damn, like that could be a superstar still. There's only like probably 10 players in the NBA that can be like number ones and do it. I mean, semi by themselves. So not everyone, not a lot of people can do that. So. And I, let me, let me point out, y'all had the number one pick. That's why you right. got the, that's why you got the number yeah. one guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, right. I, I agree with you. So, yeah. So, so this is the thing, I, and I'm going to spend just real quickly on this, and then in the final segment we can talk about it a little bit more because uh, we got to get to our ad break first. Um, but I, I I feel like Jalen Green, from an outsider's point of view, I, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively high on Jalen Green now because I do feel like that he has the potential to be just a pure bucket and efficient-wise when you guys get, like, some – like I, I completely, for what's worth, I completely agree with JJ Redick, man. I, some of the games I've watched for the, I've only watched like five to seven games of the Rockets, so be it. It's only, it's, and we're at the end of the season, not many games, but it does seem like every time it goes out there, it's like Jalen's playing like pickup ball, and he's just, he's isolating almost every play, and he's having to do it himself. So, and it's tough. I saw some Rockets fans complaining about how you're asking him to play that way, and then look at how he's being surrounded, he's being double teamed, blah blah. It seems like a lot of the kind of the same thing. Cade was dealing with in the first half of last season. So Pistons fans know that all too well. It feels like once both of these guys get some players surrounding them that fit, not just with them, but just like fit as a lineup, like actually makes sense, they'll be fine. And I I, I think that draft class is going to turn out to be really, really freaking good. There's a lot of potentially great players out of there. Cade, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Josh Giddy looks like he's coming, coming along. Franz Wagner, is really damn good. There's a few other guys that could potentially become really good in that draft. So I think we may be looking back at that class in a few years being like, there's a lot of guys in there that turned out to be dudes and, and they're pretty damn good at the top of the class. So one, one, one more thing, excuse me, one more thing. And we can, I don't know what you want to talk about last segment, but we can talk maybe about the other guys in the rebuild too, kind of how they're panning out. One more thing though. Um, I don't know the exact number. I think it's like 5.8, 5.9, something like that. Jalen is going to the line basically six times a night. And so that's the other thing that he's really improved where it's like, yo, you can give this guy the rock and he will, you know, he's driving, he's aggressive, like six times, six, six free throw attempts a night as a sophomore on this bad of a team. If you that's really put, huge. yeah, you put some pieces around him. If he could bump that up to like eight to nine in his prime, like I'm telling you, I think he's going to put up 25 plus easy. So we'll see. So definitely. I completely agree. Green to the foul lines, big time. Um, but like you said, when we come back, we will talk about the rest of the players. And then we'll also talk about the tankathon re- uh, result we got and what we would want our teams to do in, in this draft that this was the selections or, or this was uh, the, the numbers of the, of the draft. Um, when we come back, but first, I got to tell you guys about another one of our sponsors. I got to tell you guys about FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores to threes drained. And a player prop that I've been telling you guys to stay tuned to is recently Killian Hayes is coming back alive. I'd look at taking over in his points or potentially his assists, either one. Tonight, uh, he had 21 points and six assists. 
I'd look at that for the rest of the year. And also Jane Ivey's assist. I'd look at that player prop too. I think those ones are uh, some, some, some props that I feel pretty confident about. Now, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, I just want to tell all the listeners out there, I wanted to do this episode because I know over the last few weeks, um, me and Roosh have been trying to get this going, I believe, for like two weeks now. But over the last few weeks, I've seen a lot of Pistons fans comparing their rebuild to other teams, comparing to what's going on with their rebuild versus the Rockets, versus the Thunder, the Spurs, the – the. I don't even know if you can call the Hornets in a rebuild. I think they just suck. But uh, <laughs> but, but just like comparing their rebuilds to other teams. And I thought, you know, obviously I wanted to kind of recap what we thought about at the beginning of the year and see how it progressed uh, to now. But also I wanted to give fans – and I'm sure some some Rockets fans will listen to this. This is like some, an idea of how things are going in other fan bases, what's happening in other rebuilds, and compare it to each other so you can get an idea of what rebuilds are looking like compared to each other and how they're going. So I, I hope you guys take some take some uh, some info here, and it's pretty you know it does something for you guys. And, and, and let me let me add to that that um you know I know there's the whole I don't know Rockets Pistons fan base Twitter beef that kind of came up out of nowhere partially because of me um <laughs> so I'll take blame I'll take blame for that but uh but it, I mean at the end of the day dude I just love basketball so it's all like I I I'm rooting for the Pistons and this is like a progress report and and um some of the Pistons there's a couple of Pistons fans that follow me and they're they're cool people so I just enjoy like and I mean I really like Jalen Duran too before the draft so like I'm rooting for some of your players, and I like some of the stuff you guys have done, like getting Wiseman, for example. So we'll we'll talk about it all, though. Absolutely, and I follow. I think outside the Pistons, I think the the other teams fan base that I follow the most is I think Rockets. I have a, I follow a lot of Rockets people, and there's a there's a lot of enticing talent on the Rockets. Like I I'm just really high on what you guys possibly could do if you guys could get some stability in that franchise. So let's kind of talk about. The surrounding pieces of our franchise players, Kay Cunningham versus Jalen Green. Um, I, I actually, you know, I kind of want to do it like this if it's okay with you. I kind of wanted to look at Rockets surrounding guys, and then you can look at the Pistons surrounding guys. Is that is that? Yeah, cool? yeah, go for it. And then we can respond to each so, other. With exactly. That. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so let me look at some Rockets guys. So some of the Rockets players that, from an outsider's point of view, I've only watched, like I said, like five to seven of your guys' games, but I follow a lot of Rockets guys. I listen to what goes on. Um, I see a lot of the, the the arguing and emotional stuff that goes on in your guys' fan base. So it, it's fun to follow, follow from the outside point of view. Um, but some guys that I'm really high on that, that I didn't know much about before the season in the Rockets or uh, on the Rockets roster, Sagoon. I think Sagoon is, is really damn good. Um, I, I think he, he's a very unique player. I know a lot of people will go out of their way and say he's like Jokic. Just, I feel like that has more to do with like, I feel like that has more to do with that. Um, but they do have some similarities with, like, their passing and stuff. <laughs> but I, I like him a lot. I think his future is extremely, extremely bright. Um, I have actually have come around on – I want to say I'm, like, super high on him, but I actually like Tari Eason. Eason, I think his name is. 
Um, I like him a lot. I think he could be a really good player for you guys moving forward. And I think you guys have a few other guys that could potentially like be role players. And that's fine. The one X factor, I believe you said he was the X factor in the episode we recorded before the year, um, is KPJ. I really just don't know how to feel about him still. I like it's so I feel like he's one of those players that like box score. It seems like from what I watch or from what I hear from Rockets fans is that the box score doesn't really paint a lot of the picture with him. And people, even when it seems like when he has a good game stats wise, fans are unhappy with how he played throughout the game. And it's like, where is he fit? How is he actually going to contribute to winning basketball? So I'm still like, I don't really know what he's going to be. So I, I'm, I don't know how I feel about him. And then Jabari Smith. So I said this on a podcast a few, a few episodes ago. Jabari was the player I wanted the Pistons to draft for K or uh, put next to K. I thought they would fit really good together. And I Cade wanted to play with him. I think Jabari actually put on his Instagram before the draft something about coming to Detroit and playing with Cade. So I really I he was the guy outside Apollo that I wanted the Pistons to get. Now he's had a very up and down, probably mostly down season, at least before this recent stretch that I've seen him go on. Um, I believe over the last like five, seven games, I think he's averaging. I forget what the exact numbers are, but he's playing really well over the last like two weeks or so. And it's cool to see that he's extremely young. I think his versatility defensively is extremely high. His potential on that end is high. And I think a lot of his problems offensively, at least from an outside point of view, just comes down to can he hit outside shots, open outside shots. And I think if he does that, all of a sudden his his season looks a lot different. And for a guy who was as good of a damn shooter as he was in college, I, I think it's okay to expect that that shot's eventually going to come back to what it was. So I think that the Rockets... Uh, just to like make a comparison, Zach Lowe. I don't know if you listen to the podcast. They made uh, him and Giveny had a podcast like two weeks ago where they ranked like the the future cores of the Pistons, Spurs, Rockets, and and Hornets. Both of them had the Hornets at the bottom, and one of them had the Pistons and one of them had Houston. I really feel like that those two teams are have the best young core moving forward, and I feel like really again like. I like some of the pieces you guys have. I just personally feel like that you guys need some stability from top down and, and some veteran leadership and just some, just to help these guys out and get some culture setting going over there. I think you guys could be straight along with getting another pick, which we'll talk about a little bit later with Tankathon. I know we're running long with the podcast, but uh, we'll definitely tackle that a little bit later if it's just for a few seconds or not. But um, that's, that's how I feel about the Rockets right now. How I feel about you guys as surrounding players. And I'm interested to see who you guys are going to target at the top of this draft. So I'll respond. Um, and I know like, I know the lockdown model is, you know, the bite-sized podcast, but go a little bit yeah. longer. I, I got a little bit of time, so we're good. But um, so, okay, Jalen Green we've talked about. Um, I, like I said, I feel, like, I feel like if you surround him with the right guys, he could be a very elite scorer at the two that, that does his role. Um, KPJ, let's talk about KPJ. Probably the most controversial uh, person or figure member of the young core it's wild because the organization holds him in super super high regard i know that for sure um he's empowered by the organization he calls himself like the leader of the team he literally has called himself the head honcho he's dead set on the fact that he's a point guard um and he talks about it like vocally in, in, in interviews he's second on the team in field goal attempts second on the team in usage percentage uh, leads the team in touches like he he dominates a lot of real estate on on the court with the Rockets he's announced last in the lineups like he's treated like a star basically it's him and Jalen 1A 1B basically that's how the Rockets view it um, a lot of fans get mad at me and hate what I say because I just I think he's a talented kid there are nights where he's really good there's nights where he's not so good 
Um, you could make the argument that he's not surrounded by talent and therefore he could be better if he was surrounded by talent. I just don't think he's a point guard. I think some nights he's a point guard, but I don't think he's an 82 game four quarter point guard that you want on like a winning team. I think he's a classic, like, you know, good stats, kind of bad team type guy to his credit. Um, you know, the one biggest issue with him was efficiency and his efficiency is like 55. His TS percentage is now like 55 point something percent. So he's a, he's technically above league league average for his position at efficiency deserves a lot of credit for that. He's the best shooter on the team deserves a lot of credit for that. He's the only player on the team at, as a guard that can actually run an offense well, um, or better than anyone else we got. So he deserves credit for that. But like I said, classic, good player, bad, uh, good stats, bad team kind of guy, 19, five and five, 19, six and six, whatever it is. Um, and I just don't like, I've seen a lot of players like that, you know, like we've seen, like, he doesn't play like Jamal Crawford kind of, but like you wouldn't want Jamal Crawford to be your starting point guard, for example, right? What they got to do with him is they got to find a role for him. He could be an excellent sixth man. Um, but if you're really, he, here's the thing, he could be an excellent sixth man or he could be a pretty damn good shooting guard. Problem is the Rockets drafted Jalen Green with the number two pick. So there's like that huge clash where it's like, they don't, I don't think that they work together as a winning backcourt because it just turns into my turn, your turn. So it's this huge conundrum. So that's that. We got to see what they do with, with, with him. Shingun, the Rockets have a, a core of like athletic hooping type guys. They're hoopers, right? Shingun is the high IQ guy. He's the highest IQ player on the team. He sees the floor in a way that no one else does. People compare him to Jokic. The passing is like Jokic. Obviously, Jokic is, you know, a, just a phenom at a level that I don't think Shingun is. Um, but he's like a blend of Jokic and DeMontis Sabonis. In the post, nobody can hold him. I mean, straight up, he just does what he wants. He's He can run an offense by himself. There was a point in, in the season where Kevin Porter Jr. was out, and they started running the offense through Shingun for like six or seven games or whatever. And he was putting up like 20, 12, and six on, on very high efficiency, very good percentages from the field. He's built like that. He can do that. And he's also young. He's 20 and a half. He doesn't turn 21 until July. Really high on him. He has defensive issues. So ultimately, it's going to be a matter of how they choose to build around him. He might be their best trade piece if they want to go grab someone, you know, to upgrade and start winning immediately. So we'll see. Um, Tari Eason, I think, is the starting small forward of the future. That kid is good. He's the kind of guy, man, he's got seven, two wingspan, huge hands. You don't have to run plays for him. He's like like the coach's cliche. He's got a nose for the ball. He'll go find it. He'll go give you 20 and 10 in 30 minutes, and you don't have to run a single play for him. Um, and he shot 35% from three, which is a little bit of a nice surprise. I thought he was going to be closer to like a 32 33% type shooter. But 35% for him with everything else he does, we don't play good defense, but he's a really good defender. So when he's out there, he actually impacts winning in a positive way. One of the few guys we have that, that does that. And then there's Jabari Smith. Um, very rough season. I, at one point I tweeted that I felt like I was watching Evan Turner without the passing, which is pretty harsh for me. Jabari saw that and blocked me on Twitter. So oh, sorry. Tough. So, sorry about that, tough. Jabari. Got to keep it real though. Um, but lately he's turned it around, man. And in the last eight games, uh, he's averaging 18 points, nine rebounds, a steal and a block. He's shooting 41 and a half percent from three on five attempts per game, 49 and a half percent from the field on 13 attempts per game. Um, at one point this month, he put up three straight 20 and 10 games. He even had a 30 and 12 game. Uh, he hit a buzzer beating game winner uh, against um, the Pelicans. He hit a, a buzzer beating game tire against the Pacers all in the last two weeks. He's really like it's, it's almost like everything just clicked for him. He found a shot, turned it on. Interesting stat with him to your point about if the shot would just fall, it would look a lot better. Um, a couple few games ago. So maybe this number has changed. But as of a few games ago, I looked at the numbers and if all he had done, if nothing else about his season changed and he just made 16 
three-point attempts, not 16 in a row, but six out of the, all the threes he's missed, if 16 of them were made, which if you calculate it, that's like 0.3 or something more per game, 16 on the whole season. His TS percentage at that point in time, and this is before he went crazy, so his TS percentage was like 50% or something. It would have jumped. His, his average for the point average for the season would have been nearly 14 per game um, on like 53 point something percent TS, which isn't great. But it, it would people would look at him a lot differently. It would basically change to where his three-point percentage would jump from like 30 to 36% from the season just for making 16 threes out of the misses, which is a, an interesting way to put it in perspective. Obviously, he doesn't deserve credit for that because he missed them. It is what it is. Um, but my point is when the shot begins to fall, which he's starting to figure out, I'm really high on him. So I think the Rockets have their starting two, three, and four of the future with Jalen Green, Tari Eason, Jabari Smith. We'll see what they do with Shingun. Another player who I think is a part of the core moving forward is Usman Garuba. Um, the stats won't be there, but man, he is—he's been such a like nice defensive player, switchable big on the perimeter, and he's 24 of 47 from three on the season, shooting 51% from three on the season, which is kind of crazy. But if he can keep that up and be like that stretch big, those are four guys that they can really build around. Um, and then if they're lucky enough, the stuff around James Harden returning to Houston is very, very real. Um, and I know that for sure. So if they if they get lucky and plug him back in, they might be cooking with grease as they move forward. So we'll see. All right. So, All right. um, so my turn on the Pistons. So go ahead, Cade. You know how I feel about Cade. Um, the Pistons are interesting because I like what you guys did, man. You you've taken a lot of flyers on some projects on two former number two picks. Which which man, I wish the Rockets would have would have nabbed Wiseman, you know, because the Warriors basically had to dump him. So you might have something there, and if you don't you can at least build his value up and then flip him. Uh, and the Warriors were unable to do that because they got to win now. They didn't have time to like just give him reps and give him the rock, right? So you guys could really either have a center for the future with him and Duran um, or both of them, whichever one you want, or you could build that value up and flip him. I really like Jalen Duran. Strong, uh, seems to be as advertised, right? Good rebounder, lob threat. I'm curious to know why he doesn't get more minutes. I'm assuming it's because he's young and still learning. Seems like he's kind of up and down. I remember when the Rockets played him, uh, he was, he seemed a little disengaged and like, I thought he was going to destroy us because, uh, because, uh, we didn't have a center that night. I can't remember. thought he was going to destroy us, but he didn't. And I thought that was surprising. Killian Hayes. Um, I feel like he's been playing a lot better. I feel like Killian Hayes is the controversial figure for you guys. He where is. like, you know, half of y'all believe in Killian. The other half are like, nah, I remember when I came on the podcast, I said, I was like, I don't, I don't think Killian is, is an NBA player. I said that on your podcast. He's looked a lot better. Um, when I look at the numbers for the season, it doesn't look good. Like that TS percentage is terrible, but I feel like that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, I feel like he's got a solid potential role as like a, a legitimate backup point guard, um, especially because you have Cade, so you don't need Killian to be the starter. Jaden Ivey's been nice. I like Jaden Ivey. I'm interested to see how he fits with Cade. I still don't know because Jaden. I feel like Jaden Ivey is like a kind of rust-like, right? He's like that quick twitch. He can turn it up in a minute, get up and down the floor. Uh, sometimes he'll surprise you and start hitting some threes. I think he's shooting like 33%. Um, he's still young, TS percentage around 53. If he just fixes a couple things, he could probably be a, an, an efficient player. Um, and he's hit some big shots, and he's had some big games. I think he didn't hit like a game tire recently. Yes. Yeah, so so I like what, you, what you're building there. Bagley, I'm not sure about. I feel like Bagley is kind of just – were you about to say something? No, I was, I'm looking something up. Uh, oh, sorry. To follow up with what you're saying. Sorry. I feel like Bagley, you know, maybe maybe he's hit or miss, but I just feel like this far into his career, he might be more so kind of this type of player um, where some nights, you know, 
you get something from Bagley some nights. It's just like you don't need Bagley on the floor, that kind of thing. Um, who am I missing? Isaiah Stewart's the only one I feel like you haven't Beefsteak. haven't mentioned. I, so I feel like that, that's the funny thing, right? You got Duran, you got Wiseman, you got Beef Stew, you got Bagley. I feel like at some point, Duran and Wiseman will, if they haven't already, separate themselves from the pack. I feel like Beef Stew is up and down. Like there's nights where I'm like, damn, dude, that he looks good. And then there's nights where I'm just like, he looks kind of like the same player he's been. And maybe you can maybe you can correct me on that. Um, kind of like, a, and maybe I'm just saying it's because their hair is similar. So I apologize if that's the case, but he reminds me of Naz Reed, you know, like some nights I see it. Some nights I'm just like, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't need to really worry about beef stew. But I think that out of the pack between the two, y'all have the highest ceiling player with Cade, obviously. So I feel like it's probably going to be easier for y'all. If Cade fulfills his potential, he can probably mask any deficiencies y'all have as you go on and build. Whereas for the Rockets, we don't have that luxury at the moment. We don't have that player, right? Jalen's not an offense in and of himself. Kevin Porter kind of complicates things. Like we just don't have that one guy quite yet. Um, do you feel like you have starters for the future, like slotted out the kind of the way that I've listed, like Tari, Jalen, and Jabari? I, I do. And can I, can I respond to everything you said? Yeah, no, yeah, you have yeah. anything else? Go for it. Go okay. For it. So first, I want to apologize to some listeners that may not want to tune into a longer podcast, but I feel like this is very insightful to hear from the outside perspective. I won't be long because I definitely think if we get above 50 minutes, my locked on bosses may come I'm hunting for me. Bl- blame it on me. I talk a lot. <laughs> but I'll try to be I'll try to be quick here. Um, I agree with what you said about Cade. Um, Jane Ivey has been very impressive this season. He's made a lot of improvements throughout the season. Um, I do want to answer directly, though, real quick before I forget about your do I feel like the Pistons have three starters? Yeah, I, I actually think that was something that I, Pistons fans should listen to what you said about the Rockets and see that they're kind of in similar spots a little bit because I feel like the Pistons have like three starters as well and then everything else is kind of like role players potentially. And I feel like that's kind of how it is with you guys right now. I think the Pistons have their starting uh, point guard, whatever you want to call Cade, point forward, whatever, Cade, Ivy, and then Durin. Um, I think they have that, and I think they have a lot of other guys that could potentially be their role players off the bench, and now they just need to fill in the spots around them. So I, I think they have a – I know some fans don't feel that way. It's a very heated topic, but I do think that's what it is. Um, but out, the of, out of curiosity, who do the fans disagree with as being one of those guys? Killian Hayes. He's he's the, he's the major it, – it's a major lightning rod topic that can Killian Hayes be – a role player for the Pistons or should they just move him out? Should they just give up on him? That he's the major one. And then there's also a little bit of like a, like somewhat of a like potential civil war going on with Isaiah Stewart budding. Um, but it's really just those two guys. But I feel like it's more positive with Stu than negative, but more negative than positive with Killian. Um, By the way, so, we, we gave you Stu in that Christian Wood. Uh, Christian Wood yes. Day. So I think, I'm trying to wrap it up. I'm trying to summarize my thoughts quickly, but Stu, I, 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 he was up and down, but I think he's going to be their backup for moving forward, at least next season. I, I potentially could see him getting like a cheap extension. If they want to avoid restricted free agency, I could see that coming this off season. Um, some fans don't agree with that, but I, I think that could be something that happens. I think he's going to be their backup for moving forward. He showed some impressive moments this season. Um, so I, I think a lot of fans like Stu. Jalen Duran's a monster. The reason why he hasn't been playing a lot lately, he's dealing with two ankle injuries. I feel like for the last, the last month and a half or so, it's just been consistent. And then also after acquiring Wiseman, 
it seems like they want to get a look at Wiseman and get him as many reps since he, I believe once the Pistons trade for Wiseman, he had less minutes played than Jalen Duran did. So they're like, they want to get him like some reps, it seems like, and Jalen Duran's been out the last few games. So um, I, I, I think that's what's going on there. Very, very high in Jalen Duran. I think he's going to be like a bam out of bio type. He's a really nice passer. Um, like Jalen Duran, um, like Jaden Ivey, James Wiseman, I think they could be just building up his value, but I think at the very least he's proven to be an NBA player. He's going to be an NBA player, and he has a lot of potential offensively. It's a very intriguing guy. Um, he's had some monster games already for the Pistons. Um, and then obviously, I agree with you about Marvin Bagley. I think he's probably going to end up being the odd man, odd guy out. And then Killian Hayes, he is a very controversial player. His season stats tell you the story of it was a very bad. It probably wasn't a good year, but it, he's he's had a. It's basically been a three part st- season to him. First ten games, he was probably one of the worst players you've ever seen. He was shooting like twenty percent from the floor. And then over the next thirty three games, he was averaging around thirteen points a game, seven assists. 43% shooting, 36% from deep, and he was looking really good for 33 games. Then they went to Paris, had a bad game in Paris in front of his home uh, home country. Then he struggled for the next 15 games. And now over the last seven, eight games, now he's looking back to how he was the 33 games. So it's been a very, a very roller coaster of a season with him. I do think that the numbers don't tell the full story. His season numbers don't, but nonetheless, you're, he's you're not team been killing him, right? Huh? Your team killing Yes, right? I am. Yeah. So I think he's been inconsistent, but I think he's shown enough to make people believe that he could be their backup point guard, either for this team or for another team moving forward. Um, I'm still very high in his future. I think the improvements he's shown is is legit, but I'm I'm a I'm a wrap it up there. We're at 49 minutes. I'm gonna definitely get in trouble for this. Um, but Ruth, hey, don't don't worry. I've done it to Jackson before, and he survived. So. I'll I'll be sure to let them know that yeah. that you said that. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, yep. Definitely go follow Roosh on Twitter at Roosh Williams. I thought this was good to get an outside perspective on your own team, both from if Rockets fans listen and obviously Pistons fans. I think you need to do that. Um, we weren't able to get to the Tankathon thing because other things ran off, but not well, too I'll, big of a deal. I'll just say this first: I appreciate you having me. It's it's nice to get out of the Rockets bubble and to to hear it out. My final thought. Um, is that I, I will make the prediction that the Rockets come out ahead if and because we might get James Harden in the summer, which would give us like a jump start, which would For be sure. like a, a gift, but it, it, it really could happen. I do think we're behind in the coaching department, though. We don't have our coach. I don't know how you feel about Casey, but we definitely don't have our coach. Um, and then to quickly answer, if we had the fourth pick, I'd trade that. I need to package it with other assets to go get a star if they're available, other than Carl Anthony Towns or I would trade back and try to pick up future assets and take Case and Wallace a little bit later in the draft. Fair enough. Thank you for answering very quickly there. There you go. Um, but appreciate you guys listening. Definitely go follow Roosh. Um, appreciate you coming on. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, thank you guys for listening. Stay safe. Go Pistons. And peace out. Appreciate you.